in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this awesome, hot, muggy weather. Love it. For those that don't, winter's coming. So Father, thank you for the time to come together and meet with other believers. Thank you that we get to share grace with one another. Even if words aren't said, we share the life of Christ in us with one another, even in a handshake, even an eye glance. It's the power of God's love in us. Thank you for the opportunity. And this morning we pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to us. May your spirit be the teacher. What is it that each person showed up for? What is it each one needs to leave with? Give each one here a special wisdom nugget. Something they walk on and go, wow, that's what I need to hear today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, wanted to keep this slide on because I'm not sure you realize the words of this. Like, this is... Do you know what you sing sometimes? I was just at a, at a camp, and uh, some of the, well, we ended up singing a couple songs um, because I found out the group I was with wanted to sing songs, and so the last two days we sang songs. But even though they knew the song, they did their harmonies, and it was beautiful, and blah, 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 and some really sang their hearts out. Really sang their hearts out. Right, Tim Lind? Oh, you weren't there. But uh, yeah, there were there some voices belted out. And uh, it was pretty incredible. But everybody knew the songs, they knew the tune, and they almost did it as if it was just another hymn they knew, uh, the comfort of familiarity. Right? There are songs here that we know, and we're comfortable singing them, because ah, it's nice to sing songs we know, and just begin to enter in. And sometimes that helps. That helps us take us from our mood that we may not be too teachable in, and the Holy Spirit can use songs and does use music to move our soul from a place of unrest to a place of rest and teachability. That's why music's critical, really important. But in that journey, we may not realize the songs coming off of our lips, some of them true words, and sometimes we have songs with a a line and go, oh, that's actually not true, what are we singing that for? We've altered them as we go. But the more we understand our identity in Christ and the finished work of the cross, it's, it's been fun to, to purge through songs and pick really good ones and not get all upset if it isn't quite right. You know, that's gracialism. Let's lighten up a little bit. But this song here, When You Don't Move the Mountains, I'm Needing You to Move. This is a huge one. There are so many people walking through difficult times still. And even you may have come out of yours, but the person beside you is starting theirs. And there's, a, there's a, a cycle of problems. And I know people are crying out for help. Dear God, where are you? Move this problem. And suddenly he's not moving them? Why? When you don't part the waters, I wish, you, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you. We cry out for answers. We want answers. In fact, this week I had a lot of questions from people. And I'll tell you, they wanted answers. And I wasn't giving them. They want them right then, unprocessed. They don't want to have to think. They wanted the vending machine answer. And they were actually begging for an answer they didn't want from me. There's, you know, an individual who was obsessed with the law. Does that tell you anything? Okay, good. So when that happens, when you don't give the answers, only the Holy Spirit can give you the answers if he chooses to. There is nothing in Scripture that says 
you will get the answers all the time. Doesn't say that. What about when we get to heaven? Yeah, doesn't say. It does not say in scripture, oh, I'll know when I get there. I'll know the reason why then. Doesn't say that in scripture anywhere. Yes, but it says we see through a glass darkly now and we'll see clearer then. Yeah, not your circumstances. You're going to see him clear. And actually when you see Jesus and his heavenly father so clear, all the questions are gone. You won't be thinking about that. You're going to be relishing in the joy of being loved without any negative filters preventing you from seeing him clearly. That is what the gospel is all about. Clearing up the picture of who our Father is to us. Clearing up the picture of who Jesus is to us. Jesus came to represent the Father who he, and he is perfectly the representation. It's beautiful. I will trust, I will trust, I will trust. Do you realize trust is almost a choice? And I believe the Holy Spirit. Get this. This is, this is where he is your source. When we're having trouble trusting in God, we need to wait until he gives us the power of trust. You can't even muster that up. You may have to go back to the simplicity. And as I was having a discussion with this individual who was really giving me a hard time, we agreed on Jesus is Lord. Great! Let's high five whenever we meet for that reason alone. We can disagree on all these things. So what? We can still love each other. Let's high five whenever we meet again because we believe in Jesus. And you may have to go back to that simple faith when you're in your darkest waters. When you're going through the heavy, heavy garbage, the pain, you may need to just go to the simplicity. I don't understand all that theological stuff right now, Father, but I know your son is real and I trust him. Don't even know what that all means, but I trust you in this. Is that a safe place to be? And even if you can't go there, and in your darkness you can't even believe there is even a God, He's holding you and still shining his light through you. The light that is in you. And if you can't see it, it's darkness. Oh my goodness, how great is that darkness that is already in you? Because you can't perceive the light. It's okay. He's got you. Even when you're doubting like crazy. By the way, uh, the sermons, the messages this summer were out of this world. Grand slams each week. Nancy Premier. She's not here. Fantastic message. Bev Christian, that was an unbelievable message on doubt. I, I, everything's uploaded as of this morning. Everything's there for you guys to go watch. Go, please, listen. If you didn't catch these, these were great. Um, and then we had Red Shoot speak on what, uh, spiritual warfare. Probably his best message he's ever taught. You gotta hear it. And then Scott McIntyre, he spoke on, um, uh, does the, read the fine details of the contract. Your new covenant, does it matter? Yes, it does. And then last week, that was amazing. I listened to it last night as I was getting ready for this morning. How do you do that? I don't know. I got two ears. So one, uh, anyway. But he was talking about what you put in will come out. What you put into your head will come out. What you feed your soul with will come out. And I think the illustration that worked best was when he was in Africa heading to the bathroom 
in the middle of the night, and it's pitch, pitch black, blacker than anything we've ever experienced here. And he remembered a movie where lions came out to eat humans. Guess what was in his mind? He had put that into his mind a while back. It was in there. It came out at the wrong time. <laughs> Anybody get it? Yes. It's in your mind. I want to take off from that today. And by the way, go and listen to these messages online. They are really, really encouraging. I, honestly, I, I thought they were great. So thank you. But thank you, Bev. And those that uh, spoke, um, I thought it was great. Anybody enjoy that was here? Yeah. I heard great feedback. All right. Let's get in. Oh, here we go. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The light of Christ shines through, and nothing can extinguish it. Let's begin with this. Therefore, I will always... I'm sorry. uh, Therefore, I will be ready always to remind you concerning these things... Even though you know them, and I have been and have been established in the present truth, this is where I want to start with. I uh, talked about this with a group at the camp, and uh, when I saw that line, I realized, oh my goodness, this this is heavy duty to be reminded. Yes, I've covered this before. So what if Scott? What was if what Scott was talking about that what we put in comes out? What if there's a lot of negativity keep coming into our minds, into our, into our thoughts? What if we're walking through a lot of darkness and we're just seemingly being overwhelmed with darkness and a lot of trouble? We need to be reminded of the truth already in us. And I want to do that this morning. Maybe you'll hear it just a bit differently. It's like reading scriptures over and over and over again. If you've been in the church long enough, yeah, I read this, yeah, I know that parable, blah, 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 blah. Suddenly, boing! Whoa, I never heard that interpretation before. That verse clicked. I never saw it like that before. It's been there the whole time, but now it's come alive. Why? Because the Holy Spirit made it come alive in you. May that happen today. I've got some really awesome stuff. All right. I'm going to begin with this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. When... Oh, I'm going to get you to... No, I'm going to, I'll do the click, whatever. Here we go. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan. Isn't that good? Everybody's going, uh, there's a lot more. Yes, there's a lot more. But think for just a minute what I just read. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, that means you have to stop and think. Like, Seriously, hit the brakes. Stop and think. There's an assumption here of meditating, thinking on what God has already shown you. Here's the result of of Paul. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. What's your reaction when you think of the scope of God's plan? That was a nice thought. Oh, red light. Okay. Or, oh well, I'm on to the next thing. Next show. Does it cause you to fall to your knees, even if it's physical? Say, wow. 
my life is so busy. My brain is, is at a high RPM the whole time. It needs to come down into idle mode just to stop and reflect or even turn off the engine for a time and go, Father, you're really good. It's been a while since I stopped to ponder. He prays. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. He will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. It's funny. Here he's taking the thought of God's magnitude and his plans. Instead of just thinking of his heavenly father, do you know what he does? He thinks of his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and he prays for them. Prays for you. Do you pray for others when you understand the scope of his might and how much and how deep and how wide his love is for you? That's coming up in a second, but this is huge. I pray that, oh sorry, yeah, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I thought he's already there. He is. Do you ever have a guest come to your home and they stay longer and longer and they make themselves more and more at home? (laughs) Maybe that's not a good illustration. (laughs) But here it is. Sometimes the comfort level of trusting Christ in us, recognizing his presence in us, getting used to the fact he's there all the time. Instead of once in a while just thinking, oh yeah, Christ is in me. Look, a squirrel. Then off you go to the next thing. That's my personality. But here it's saying, so Christ becomes more and more at home. And this is implying immaturity. A journey of recognizing his presence in us. And then he says, may your roots go down deep into memorizing scripture. Is that what it says? No. It says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. I believe when you're at your worst place, And when you're at your best place, the place we need to go is recognize where our roots are and make sure they're placed in the love of God. Which means we have to know his love for us. And this is where I got into an argument. Yes, but what about his commands and all the rules and following this and this and this? But you, you can't miss that part. And I kept saying over and over again, It's not about the law at all because now I'm under a higher law, the law of the life of Christ in me. If I listen to his voice, he's in charge of bringing it to my mind and I will obey what he tells me to do. It's not a written list. It's better and it's scarier. Because if you have a law, you don't have to think. You don't have to trust. But unfortunately, the law, which is now obsolete... Its purpose, well, it was to point out the perfection and holiness of God. It was perfect, but it was flawed. The law has a flaw. 
The flaw is it points out incorrectness, but it cannot make you righteous. It's powerless to make you righteous. You're not under the law. Put your roots into his marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. There's a good should. You should know this. You're being reminded again how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. This is not an intellectual assent. This is not just a cognitive understanding of his love. Yes, God is love. He loves everybody. It's his job. This is an internal thing, and he explains it right now by talking about the experience. You can know this, believe it, and understand his love, but now he says, may you experience the love of Christ. Meaning, feel it. He's made you a feeling person. You don't live by your feelings, but you are to feel it. You're created with emotions. He wants you to experience his love. Though it is so great, you'll never fully understand it. If we're never going to fully understand it, then don't be satisfied with how much you know. There's more to learn, more to experience, more to understand. Yes, but you don't know. I've been in church for 45 years. I've been an elder for 55 years. Like, seriously, that's, some people think like that. I don't care how marked up your Bible is. Who gives? Who cares? It's not about that. It's about your intimate connection with the Holy Spirit and understanding the love of the Father. This is about relationship. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It gets better. Now glory be to God. That's like the Pentecostal, woohoo, hallelujah, okay? He's just getting excited on paper. By his mighty power at work within you. Are you in any doubt at this stage of his power in you? I'm declaring it to you right now. By his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Wow. (coughs) Your father loves you. And he just wants you to soak and bask in his love. He wants to become more and more at home in your heart. The problem with religion is, religion will try and set this false thinking that, well, he might be in your heart now, but then he jumps out whenever you're bad. That's not biblical at all. You know, it's like the 
Same thing from Sesame Street. When he, you're good? Far. You know? That's not God. That's a fairy tale. Christ is in you. And he wants to be more and more at home in your hearts. He wants you to grow up even more. He wants you to grow up. You should have heard or seen some of the looks of the faces this week because it was, it was, let's say 90% of them were retirees and well elderly, very elderly. And when I talked about growing up, you got to grow up. <laughs> Again, I don't care how long you've been in church and how marked up your Bible is. That doesn't tell you about your intimacy of loving others. If you're a crab who constantly is trying to correct people and call people out and be a judgmental person, you are not exhibiting the love of Christ in you. Your only thing right now is love. And after being quite annoyed, I realized I better take my own sermon at heart. As in, don't get mad at blind people for being blind. My prayer now is open the eyes of their heart. That's it. Don't argue. Don't argue. Just love. That was pretty cool. Growing up. A couple key verses I want to look at for growing up. Ephesians 4, verse 13. This will continue until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Another translation says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we may be mature in the Lord. Mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. What it says before this is important. Now these gifts Christ gave to the church... Christ gave these gifts to the church. All right? You're, you're not the gift, so to speak, as an individual. Christ is the one who gave the gift. And here is what the list he gives. Apostles. Prophets. Evangelists. Pastors. And teachers. These are gifts. Some people treat their gifts funny. Yeah, if you've been in church long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Their responsibility is to do all the work, be on call 24-7, visit, oh no, it doesn't say that at all. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. It's not their job to build their empire, their ministry. Their job is to build and equip the church. Pastor, I believe the Lord's telling me you should start a certain ministry. Thanks. It's funny, I talk to him all the time. Never mentioned that before. But if he's placed it on your heart, you start it. We are fully equipped. My job is to show you your equipping. 
the gift that's already in you to point it out. Another spot. Paul is getting a little bit frustrated. Oh, my dear children. Or, okay? That's what the oh, my dear children is. I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. There is no arrival. We all are called to see Christ fully developed in our lives. Where we begin to look like Jesus more and more and our attitudes are more and more like Jesus. I've got a long ways to go. So do you. We're called to grow up. How? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Well, some people want to jump into sacrifice right away and not remember what Christ has done for them. Then it turns into a new duty and becomes self-righteousness and a pride game. Oh, look all the years I've spent. And they have competitions in church. I got an award for 22 years in Sunday school. Well, I'm I'm at 31 years, so... (laughs) You know, like all these really silly little things. It happens. Trust me. It does. It becomes a new self-pride, and people look at them and go, ooh. No, no, no. Listen. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. And when you stop and ponder what Christ has done for you, making you completely righteous, right now, you are righteous. Making you completely holy. You don't have to try to attain holiness. You have been made holy. Where the presence of Christ is, is holy. Where does he live? In you. I'm reminding you again these things you should know and do know. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Singing songs is a form of worship, but it's not the definition of worship. This is sacrificial living in response to all he's done for you. Not so you get brownie points. Not so that people look up to you. Being honest, it could be very, very difficult for some people or impossible in this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world what kind of customs? Self-seeking, step on top of everybody else to get to the top level, the selfishness model, me, 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 me first, and on and on, the list goes crazy. You're not called to live after those customs. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The battle's here in your mind. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's funny how many people are always seeking, what's God's will? What's God's will for this? What's God's will? Well, number one, God's will is a person, Jesus. Christ in you, that's his will for you, for everybody. That you live out of the source that is in you. Even the man Jesus, fully God, fully man, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He too had to grow up. I believe it's in James or something like that. It says he had to become, he became obedient. Ooh, that's a swear word in our religious culture today. Obedience. Ooh. Well, when you know the love of your father and your roots are in his love, obedience is nothing. It's like, sure, of course, especially when I think of all you've done for me. No problem. Obedience is just a supernatural, new natural response to what Christ is nudging you to do. That's it. It's so simple. If you equate obedience with well, you're supposed to do this, 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 this. You got these top ten rules. Follow those rules. That is not called the obedience you are called to. That's old covenant. You are under the new covenant. You are to live from the life of Christ in you, which is greater and encompasses all that. Is filtered the way He needs it to be properly filtered and fully lived properly in you. Can you trust Him? Can you trust Him to give you wisdom, telling you how to live? I promise you, when you're abiding in Christ, there won't be a conflict with the Ten Commandments. But you're not to live by the Ten Commandments. They're called the ministry of death on tablets, the ministry of condemnation in Scripture. Why would you want to live by that? Let's post them on the wall. Why? More condemnation? No. Let's raise up what Christ has done and switch our focus. It's not saying this isn't important. We can learn from this. But we're not under the law. We're free from it. Because if we focus on law, what will it do? Stimulate sin? Yeah, but I thought, I thought, wait a minute. I thought law would stop me from sinning. Nope. What about the power of sin is what? The law is the power of sin. Quit doing the law thing. Live by the law of the life of Christ in you instead. It's far more powerful and supersedes all that, especially the flaw. You have been made righteous and now can live from what is written in the tablet of your heart. Jesus grew, so must you. 1 John 2. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven you through Jesus Christ. We've heard this here many times. I'm reminding you. The beginning of actually being a child, not infant, a child, from what I'm seeing here is to know you are forgiven. Don't take it for granted. Don't use it as a license to go sin. That's really kiddish, very immature. That's not it. In fact, true grace leads to godliness. Not license to go sin. 
I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith. This is repeated twice, exactly. Because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. This is intimacy. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith, because you have won your battle with the evil one. Won your battle with the evil one? Does that mean I, can, I, I just win everything? Guess what this means? I see it right today. Believing Christ has won the battle with the evil one. There isn't this picture of Jesus arm wrestling the devil on the other side. Who's going to get this? And it's a constant battle. Good grief. The devil's been created. How can he possibly have any chance? Like, think it through a little bit. Doesn't make any sense. But a becoming mature is recognizing the battle is won and the powerhouse lives within you. Okay? This is the maturing. Uh, I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. The second child reminder. I believe this is talking about knowing your identity. Who's your daddy? Knowing who your father is. Every child needs to know who their parents are. Some don't get to. But there's a craving for those who don't know their parents. There's a thing inside they want to know. As a believer, do you know your daddy? Who's your daddy? This is the beginning. This is child stuff. Then it says, I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. Again, this is deep intimacy with your father. You know him already and trust him and there's an ongoing constant flow of love and trust and instructions and simple obedience. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you've won your battle with the evil one. (laughs) This is powerful. We've got to grow up. What's this look like? Let's look at the child level for just a minute. I'm going to do this really quick. At the child level, you can put yourself wherever you need to go, we recognize our hope, our salvation. That's child stuff. We're confident in him. Okay? More focused on self and who am I in Christ. The wording matters. Who am I in Christ? Really important for all believers to know. You'll see the comparison later. There's a certainty of our acceptance and complete forgiveness. There are no expectations of teens or fathers put onto these children. We see kids doing their noise thing and their pooping thing and parents have to run out and change diapers and all that stuff, right? Kids do that, yes. Do they soil their diapers? Do they sin a lot and you have to empty the sin and put it away, right? That's because that's what kids do. They're going to fall flat in their face. They're going to trip up. That's what kids do. It's expected. So why do judgmental people extinguish the joy in other believers by being judgmental because of certain behaviors? That is so unloving. It needs to be a safe place to practice the presence of God. Practice falling and getting up so we learn to get our footing. Ah, thank you. Okay, now, now, oh, oh wow, now I'm at the young, young adult stage. Whoa, that was a long journey. Next. Young in the faith, releasing that hope to others, serving one another. Children don't serve parents, the little ones. Parents serve the kids. (laughs) There's so much energy put into taking care of every single need. 
Every bath, every screaming, nighttime, oh, middle of the night. I remember rocking my daughter's sleep for hours. Just, just, she just wouldn't stop crying. We had a rocking chair in there, and just all it took, just the pet, 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 pet. Finally gone. Good, don't, don't make a towel. Shh, quiet. No! Ah, no! Back again. <laughs> Long nights. Did you get it? Yeah. Competence in him. Trusting his life. This is the journey of learning to trust. Trusting that God is competent in you. More focused on who Christ is in me instead of who am I in Christ. Now the shift changes to who is Christ in me. You want to know who this good God is in you. What did he do for me? How wonderful is he? This is a great stage. Your ability becomes important. Your spiritual gift discovery and development of skills happen. You now allow children to enjoy themselves without expectations. You don't get mad at a kid for tripping or anything like that. They're going to do that. You don't get mad at them for crying. Well, you can be upset quietly, but you know what I'm saying? It's not unexpected, and you let them. What about those who are mature? Every mature thing reproduces. See that tree over there? Big tree, seed sapling tree. That tree is a picture of what reproduction looks like. When you are mature, you're reproducing the love of Christ out into others. You're investing in others. That is a great evidence if you're at the maturity level. It's kind of humbling if you're trying to kind of sort, where do I fit in this? It's okay. What's the rush? Confidant of him. Intimate. Deep friendship, trust. It's focus on our union with God. Not who am I in Christ, not who is Christ in me, but my union. What does the oneness mean? It's us for others. We invest in others, helping them grow. And we allow children to be children and teens to be teens. Because of the teen, young adult level, everything is questioned. What's the famous question of most teenagers? Why? Why? Prove it. Why? Show me. I want to know why. That's hard. (laughs) At this stage, we recognize that is normal. It buys you patience when you know in advance what it looks like. And if you're at a stage where you're asking a lot of why questions, great. Your real question for why, or your real answer to why is Jesus. I'm not being simplistic. I'm saying he is the one that's going to reveal to you what it is he needs to reveal to you when it's time to reveal it. You can't hurry it up. We are to work out our salvation, not work for it. I like this better. Put into action God's saving work. Work out from your spirit, out through your soul, believing, and then in action and obedience, putting into practice. Almost done. We're called to grow up. I want to read to you a text that is one of my favorites. First Peter, or sorry, Second Peter. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have. Faith given to us by Jesus Christ. Where'd you get your faith? You didn't muster it up. Well, I came to believe. You know, I found Jesus. I didn't know he was lost. Think about it. 
I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have. Faith given to us by Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Listen, who makes us right with God? Well, that's a lot easier. This self-effort to try and be right with God, your righteousness, is useless. You have been made right. You're putting all your energy into trying and maintaining righteousness when he's already made you right. Why don't you let that one go and believe you are righteous and then you're now able to do what he is calling you to do. As we, oh sorry. May God bless you with his special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our Lord and God, better and better. Make Jesus more and more at home in your hearts, more and more at home, knowing Jesus better and better. Do you see that there's a journey here? As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He's called us to receive his own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. He has promised you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature, your oneness. So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. This is almost anti-grace. Well, that's not very grace, so where's, well, I don't have to do anything. Yes, you do! Well, whoever said you don't have to do anything? Unfortunately, probably me. In the early stages of growing in grace, oh, you don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. And I have left a wrong impression in my early days of learning about grace that it's separated from works. We don't have to do works. If you're works focused, no, 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 no. I was wrong. There's much work to do, but it does come from a correct belief. Make every effort, every effort, not something. You guys should put some effort into this. No, it says make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises. There's work here. Be diligent, committed to growing. Then your faith, which was given to you anyway, <laughs> then your faith. Hang on, now I'm lost. Oh yeah. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Knowing God leads to self-control. You see the progression? Do you want self-control? <laughs> all right. It's all there. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. How many in the typical church can't even stand each other? We're called to love each other. Here, first. Practice. That's pretty amazing. And listen to this. Finally, you will grow to have a genuine love for everyone. I think that sentence is your absolute mature adult, father, adult stage. When that fruit is coming off your tree, that's Jesus having matured you. And you don't unlearn that. 
What a great goal to aim for. The more you grow like this, the more you'll become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people have knowledge in Jesus Christ, but they're useless and unproductive because they're so focused on the fine details of the, the rules and trying to figure it out, and they've missed the person. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old life of sin. There are many who have forgotten they're forgiven. So, dear brothers and sisters, uh-oh, here it is again. It's in the Bible. Work hard! <laughs> I love that. To prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Doing this, you'll never stumble or fall away. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last two verses. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth. Yes, I believe I should keep on reminding you of these things as long as I live. This is good news. We need this regularly. Don't worry, I won't repeat the sermon every single week. That's crazy. But I will remind you often because our world blindsides us with performance-driven acceptance, putting darkness over us, making us believe we're not loved, we're not forgiven, we're not righteous, we're not holy. But you are. Let's believe what Jesus says about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you please grow us up for those of us who are having a hard time walking through steps of maturity, um, can you show us how to give up and stop trying and trust you are the journey for us? It's your power that grows us. Teach us how to rest in you. Teach us how to put our roots down in your love for it's in that love and from that love we will mature and get our nourishment from Teach us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.